Hello, this is Dr. Ed Hill, host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. I'm so happy you joined us for this episode. We've been in a series in the Gospel of Matthew entitled Matthew's Messiah, and we are well over halfway. So I'm glad you joined us. You can catch up with the other episodes if you like, or just join us right here and keep moving forward. So this is the episode for Sunday, October 10th. Sunday, October 10th. Let's go to Matthew chapter 15, and we're going to look at that entire chapter today. Teddy Roosevelt said that the man in the arena, the man on the battlefield, the person facing all of the difficulties is the real hero in this world. We're going to look today at Matthew's Messiah, the critics, the crowd, and the committed. Now, if you're thinking right about now, come to think of it, Pastor Ed, I don't have any critics. Well, they're on the way. Let me assure you of that. We're going to see here as we start in Matthew 15 in verse 1, we're going to see that even the Lord Jesus Christ in his earthly ministry faced the critics. Now, let me give you a little bit of background here. We're going to see a group of critics that are going to travel either on foot or on horseback, maybe even a chariot, I don't know. We're going to see a group that teamed up together to travel a great distance, well over 50 miles, to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you would think that they would have a really important question for him when they got there. But you're going to see they didn't. It's amazing what they were critical of and what they complained about. So let's see first the critics. And by the way, we're not going to do these in order, and they actually kind of mix in here and there. But we'll look first at the critics. Then came to Jesus scribes and Pharisees. So these were among the religious leadership, the top leadership from Jerusalem, from the temple. And they traveled north from Judea, went around Samaria, I'm pretty sure, because they would never go through that area, in order to get to Galilee, where the Lord Jesus Christ was doing the bulk of his ministry up to this time. Then came to Jesus scribes and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem, saying, here's the question, are you ready for it? Why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. Are you kidding me? That's what they traveled 50 miles to ask? Well, these were a bunch of tiny, petty people, and those kind of people ask these kind of questions. Now, what were they talking about? Well, the tradition of the elders was the oral tradition of the Jewish religious elites that have been passed down from generation to generation up to this point. Now, we all have traditions. Some traditions are good, some are bad. <laughs> but these traditions, the religious leaders felt, and these guys felt, trumped the Word of God. They felt like if you had to decide between what the tradition of the elders said 
and what the word of God said always go with the tradition of the elders. Now that's just wrong. And the particular thing they said was they wash not their hands when they eat bread. Now this did not mean when your mama said, wash up before you eat. This was about a very methodical, ritualistic way of washing your hands to, to either get righteous or show how righteous you were. And of course, the disciples didn't do that. Of course not. All right, so what's the answer to the critics? Now, you'll notice here, he doesn't answer them. But he answered and said unto them, why do ye also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and mother, and he that curseth father or mother, let him die the death. But ye say, Whosoever shall say to his father or his mother, It is a gift by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me and honor not his father or his mother, he shall be free. Thus have ye made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. Now, what, were the, what was Jesus talking about here? Well, they had this neat little rule that one of these guys or anybody who associated with them could say, you know, I would help you, but everything I have is dedicated to God. So I can't give you anything, mom or dad. When they were in a time of need, this obviously was wrong. But the beauty of it from their standpoint is that person kept that wealth, kept those material things, and was able to enjoy them and use them while he lived and be considered totally righteous. Again, that's just plain wrong. And critics often are just plain wrong. So Jesus doesn't even answer their crazy question. He just says, hey, why are you making the very word of God of none effect by your ridiculous man-made traditions? I had someone once in a church, I won't say where, come up to educate me or counsel me after church one day. And they told me that all this baptizing that's going on all the time, like almost every Sunday throughout the year, and we were baptizing a lot because we were winning souls to Jesus. I was informed by this person that it was only to be done in August once a year, and it had to be or usually was done in the creek. And I just said, show me that in the Bible. Amen? <laughs> Verse 7, ye hypocrites, well did Isaiah, that's Isaiah, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth near unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. And he called the multitude and said unto them, Hear and understand. Uh, this is more of the crowd right here with the disciples. And he called the multitude and said unto them, Hear and understand. Not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, 
but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defileth a man. Then came his disciples and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard this saying? And I have in my mind that they're kind of saying, Lord, they were the, they're the Bible conservatives, and, and now you've angered them. What have you done? Oh, little did they know what they were talking about, right? Then came his disciples and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard this saying? But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. I'll ponder that a little while. Let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind leave the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. So we see the critics. And now we're going to concentrate in greater detail on the committed. That would be the disciples following the Lord. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Declare unto us this parable. And right at this point, I'm saying, haven't you been walking with the Lord long enough to figure any of this out? So Peter says, declare unto this this parable. And Jesus said, are ye also yet without understanding? You know, that's really what I just said is, is what basically Jesus is asking them here. From the standpoint of him being the perfect God-man that is being in physical form on the earth, yet God, I think he just looked at them and thought, what is wrong with you? You know, and Jesus said, are ye also yet without understanding? Because he had explained numerous parables to them by this point. Verse 17 do not ye yet understand that whatsoever entereth in at the mouth, like physical food, goeth into the belly and is cast out into the draft? That'd be like we would call a latrine, okay? Restroom. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashing hands defileth not a man. I mean, how clear... Did the Lord make it right here? So clear. The things that come from within our evil heart, those are the things that violate the Ten Commandments, right? Yes. Not that we don't go through a ritualistic washing of our hands before we eat to continue to be righteous or to be thought by others to be righteous. It's just kind of a religious act that men thought up, that God did not command. Wow. And the Lord had to explain this even to the committed. Now, they, they loved the Lord Jesus Christ, but they were very dense many times. And I'm sad to say that many church people who are very faithful to the Lord, very faithful to church, 
and I'm going to use we. We can be very dense, very dull sometimes. But the Lord did explain it, thankfully, to Peter and to the disciples. So we see the committed. These were the ones that, even though, and I'll, I'll say we again, even though we are not perfect, and sometimes we're, we seem as dumb as a sack of rocks sometimes, right? I mean, I have, and, and you have too. We're the committed to the Lord. We're not perfect, but we know who he is, and we love him. We're open to his correction, his, his rebuke, and his teaching, and we definitely need his help. Amen? Now, there's another person here that's going to be among the committed, and frankly, this is shocking. This person wasn't even Jewish at all. But this person had heard of the Lord Jesus Christ and a great need had dominated her life and her family and she knew Jesus was her only hope. You may be like that today. Let's look at Matthew 15, beginning in verse 21. So this is another among the committed. Now, before I say this, before I read this, I need to tell you that I looked at some Bible maps so I could see how far the scribes and Pharisees traveled to get to Jesus to ask him that ridiculous question, you know, that uh, launched that ridiculous criticism, really, is what it was. And while I was at it, I also looked to see how far the Lord himself walked in order to encounter this woman and all of this to unfold right here. And you know what? It was well over 50 miles, way out of his way, and apparently he went there on purpose so that this event would happen. There's no other reason he went there because he had preached to the house of Israel first, later the Gentiles and non-Jews would hear the word of God more fully, right? So you know that, you remember that. All right, so here we go. Verse 21 in Matthew 15. Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. This was out of the country. This is on the Mediterranean Sea. And behold, a woman of Canaan, of that same area, not an Israelite, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. This was calling him essentially the promised Messiah. O Lord, thou son of David, my daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. There's a demon, right? This was a tragic circumstance. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. 
But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it to the dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. <laughs> then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Wow! This is one of the most amazing events in the New Testament. How did she know who he was? She'd obviously heard of him. She must have traveled some distance herself. And yet the Lord made sure in his omnipotence and his omniscience, his wisdom, that, that he intersected her in her need. But then he, he seems as if he's not going to help her. How many times does he say that? He says it once. I'm not sent but under the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And that drove her to, to worship him. And then we think, okay, now he's going to help her. But he answered and said, it is not meat to take the children's bread and to cast it to the dogs. And she said, truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. <laughs> and Jesus, from a distance, healed her demonized daughter who was freed from that very moment. Amen. I want to show you something here that I think I first read from the great Greek scholar, A.T. Robertson. I believe it was him that pointed out that in the Greek language here, the word that Jesus used where he says, cast it to dogs, is a word that means uh, in Greek, a little dog, like a small dog, insignificant dog, like a pet maybe. I have a little dog named Coco. Coco is part Pomeranian, part Chihuahua. She's mostly nuts, and you better be careful if you pet her that she wants to be petted, right? But if you have food, she is... She is totally the easiest dog to work with, right? So I feed her at the table, right? She loves that. And if I don't give her enough, she jumps up and pushes my leg like, hey, remember me? When here, the Lord is not talking to her like, you're, you're a Gentile dog, get out of here. It's not what he means. He, he says, you know, it's not right to take the, the food that children are supposed to eat and give it to the little dogs. And then the same word is used in her answers. Truth, Lord, yet the little dogs, like, you know, sort of like puppy, family pet, little dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. I mean, I believe he was going to help her anyway. She didn't know that, though. But how could he say no? <laughs> and he wasn't going to say no, but the way, the way we think humanly, how could he say no with that answer, right? So from a distance, without being present, he freed her daughter from demonic possession. You know, only God can do that. Only the Messiah, the promised Messiah, the perfect God-man could do that. Wow. So we see that 
even people that you would never think because you don't know them well enough, even some of them are among the committed. Isn't that amazing? When we meet people and we read them all wrong and we get to know them and we find out they are fully devoted followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, it blows me away every time it happens. All right, so let's finish out here with the rest of the chapter. Verse 29, And Jesus departed from thence and came nigh unto the Sea of Galilee and went up into a mountain and sat down there. This pretty much meant usually with him that he was about to teach. And great multitudes came unto him, having with them those that were lame, blind, dumb, maimed, and many others, and cast them down at Jesus' feet. And yes, in the Greek language, that word is used where they just basically, out of utter desperation, dropped them at Jesus' feet, threw them at his feet, and he healed them. Insomuch that the multitude wondered when they saw the dumb to speak, the maimed to be whole, the lame to walk, and the blind to see, and they glorified the God of Israel. So when people saw this, they saw him, they came, and usually he would teach them, but here, and other times we see as well, here he majored on the healing that pointed to him as the Messiah. That's what we call the Gospel of Matthew. I call it Matthew's Messiah. Matthew is trying to show his own people, the Jewish people, that Jesus Christ is the promised Messiah. He is the Savior of the world. And we even see that in the worship given to him by the Canaanite woman that we just saw in the verses before this. So now, though, we're seeing the crowd. These were not the disciples of the Lord. They probably weren't yet, although they, they were being brought to that point, they weren't yet maybe where the, the woman was, but they are the crowd. Some of them will truly be born again. They will truly be saved by the Lord. Some, I'm sure, would turn away. And we, we know that the crowds turned from Jesus. But this is the crowd. What, what is the crowd? Well, it's people who haven't quite made that full commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ today. Some of you listening may truthfully know that that describes you. You would never say yet at this point that you are a Christian. Some of you maybe were born into a Christian home, maybe have been around church your whole life, but deep in your heart, you would not claim to be among the committed. I would say it's very possible that you're not even a Christian. You may be like these in the crowd who need to come to Jesus. So let's look at this. Then Jesus called his disciples unto him and said, I have compassion on the multitude because they continue with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And I will not send them away fasting lest they faint in the way. And his disciples say unto him, 
Whence should we have so much bread in the wilderness as to fill so great a multitude? Now, by the way, before we go further, Bible critics say that, oh, this is just a repeat of the feeding of the 5,000. Well, we'll see in a moment, this is not 5,000, it's four. And there are numerous other facts mentioned about this account that make it obvious that it's two different events. And think about this. Why in the world would Matthew write the Gospel of Matthew and put the feeding of the 5,000 in chapter 14 and then follow it with the feeding of the 4,000 in chapter 15? He wouldn't do that if it was the same event. He would probably try to hide that, right? Well, here they are in back-to-back chapters. At least I think they are. I looked at it last night, and if I wasn't too sleepy, it looked to me like one was right before this one. This is a completely different event. So Jesus does this major miracle twice. Verse 34, And Jesus saith unto them, How many loaves have ye? Now, for example, um, we're going to see it's a different number of loaves. Five versus seven. And they said seven and a few little fishes. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves and the fishes and gave thanks and broke them and gave to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. You know, the Lord loves to involve his people in his work. And that's what we see right here. Verse 37, and they did all eat and were filled. Now that word filled in the Greek means they just couldn't eat anymore. They were completely full. It was more than they could have wished. So when these liberals say everybody had a little crumb and so they all shared, that's completely a lie. And they did all eat and were filled. And they took up of the broken meat that was left seven baskets full. So it wasn't just enough. It was way more than enough. And they that did, did eat were 4,000 men beside women and children. So again, thinking just uh, this may not have been literally true of every man there, but every man may have had a, a wife and a child with him. There's a lot of people. You do the math. Wow. And he sent away the multitude and took ship and came into the coast of Magdala. So we've seen today the critics. I hope you're not one of those. You need to come to Christ if you are. We've seen the committed, the disciples, and the, the Canaan, Canaanite woman whose daughter was freed from demonic possession, and we've seen the crowd. The crowd, that may describe many of you. Listen, I'm going to give you a phone number. You would be really smart to call. Write this phone number down right here. Uh, let me find it. I had it in front of me, and I lost it. All right, this is the phone number I want you to call, okay? This is the number... And if you're listening, I'm about to read it here. Sorry, I lost it. 
877-247-2426. With Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can know for sure how your eternity will turn out. Instead of following Satan and being condemned to an eternal hell, you can follow Jesus Christ and be welcome into heaven. For those who are too shy to call that number, go to chataboutjesus.com. Chataboutjesus.com and someone will help you come to faith in Christ. Listen, some good news for today is this verse from Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Well, listen, I'm so glad you joined us today on This Week in the Word. I hope it's benefited your life. I want you to follow this podcast, subscribe to it free. I want you to tell others about it. They can find it at www.dredhill.podbean.com. You or they can even download the Podbean app and listen to This Week in the Word free. This is available to everyone around the world at any time. Thanks for listening today. May God richly bless you this week is my prayer. Bye-bye.